Last, uh, last week we did a food drive for the Christian Assistance Bridge in Blythewood. And so I just wanted to show y'all just, uh, with just some of the things that y'all did, how much food y'all collected. And so there's just some pictures. There was a ton of response for that. So I just wanted to tell y'all, thank you for doing that. Y'all did a great job. Uh, the cab ministry, of course, was very grateful. And so just a lot of food was taken up. I, I saw some people were bringing some, some food in today. So I just wanted y'all to, to see what you did. Y'all did a great, a great job. Uh, but today we are continuing, or actually, actually we are concluding our series C4. And so if you have your Bible, today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting in verse number 14 in just a few moments. And so we are concluding our series. And if, you're, if you haven't been here, or maybe you're not familiar with what C4 is at Village Church, uh, a couple of years ago, we, we came up with an idea. We, we've been talking, you know, every church talks about this, and it's, you know, we want to be a church that is effective, we want to be a light in our community, we want to make a difference, but the big question, you know, for me is, it sounds good, but, you know, how do we do that? And so uh, we, we came up with four C's. We said, in our church, these are four different areas of ministry where we are going to help fulfill the mission that God has given to our church, which is to share Jesus with people. And so those four C's, we, we started off, we said, if we're going to reach our community, it begins in our campus ministries. You know, we're going to, we want to reach young people for the Lord. And then we're going to, the next C we talked about is we're going to be an influence in our community. And then we talked about how we can also share the mission that God has given us through our care ministries. And then today we are, we are finishing it up by talking about the fourth area of ministry, which is if we're going to share our mission with our world, be obedient to what God has called us to do, is we are going to be involved also in, civic, in our civic responsibilities. Now, if you are unlike me, uh, you, uh, you did not grow up knowing much about civics. We actually had a civics class whenever I was in ninth grade. And so, but what does civics mean? Well, I had to look it up in the dictionary, and it's a word I've heard, but I, I wanted to share it with you. It says it means relating to the duties or activities of people in relation to their town, city, or local area. Okay, so that's part of our job civic. We, we need to be an influence in our local area. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I first thought about this, I thought one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted us as a group of Christians, we're going to get together, we are going to rise up, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to take part in our civic responsibility. And if people that are running for office, let's say, they're running for office, they don't agree with us, here, here's my thought. We are going to vote them out and we're going to let everybody know we are strong people. We care about our convictions. Now, I believe we have a responsibility to vote in response to our beliefs and our values. And, but I, my, my real tendency here at the beginning was, y'all, there's something about, about fighting. I hate to say this, but it just gets me all jacked up. And, I, and, I, and there's something about antagonism. You can ask my wife this. But when, when it comes to being antagonistic, man, that just, it's terrible to say this. That just speaks to my heart, you know? And, uh, and, but God has been convicting me about this. And so instead of, instead of looking at things from the angle of, I'm going to, or we are going to force people to do what we want them to do, God began to convict me and say, listen, it's not about forcing, but it's about influencing. God desires for us to be an influence in our civic responsibilities, looking to influence people, not destroy. And so today in our passage of Scripture, Jesus let his followers know 
that he had called them to be an influence in their, in their community. And, 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 the very, and this is going to be a, a familiar scripture for you. It's where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, now, why did Jesus say that we are to be the light of the world? Well, the, you know, the implication, obviously, is we're living in darkness. And so if we're in a dark world, and it doesn't take long to figure out that there's some dark stuff that we are facing in our culture today. And it's always been true, but Jesus said that for those of us who follow him, a part of our responsibility is to be a light in darkness. That, doesn't that sound good? Now, I like that. We're supposed to be a light in darkness. But what does that mean? You know, it's, it sounds good to me, but I'd start thinking, but I don't even know what that means. How, what does a light do? You know, what, what, does, what are the practical implications for that? And so that's why we're going to investigate that by looking in Matthew 5, we're looking at verses 14 through 16. Uh, you may not know this, but this is a part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And so a very famous sermon, and so Jesus is speaking to people, and he's letting them know that a part of the responsibility, a responsibility of those who follow him, is to be a light in this world, because it is a dark place. And so the question is, well, that sounds good, but, but what does it mean? Well, I just want to share with you just some, some real basic stuff. It's not rocket science or anything, but I think you're going to agree when you look at the scripture with me about what it means or what a, what a light actually does. And so I just want to see, what does a light do? Remember, we're the light, so what are we supposed to do? Well, the first thing that being a light does is, first of all, a light gets your attention. Okay, a light gets your attention. If you, if you look in verse number 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Very clearly, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, and he follows it up by saying, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, whenever Jesus was teaching this, there is a, 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 big, there is a large probability that he was teaching this lesson when he was up in northern Israel. And northern Israel, that is, it's right by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded, is surrounded by mountains. And so Jesus, and it sort of makes, makes sense why Jesus said this. Now, I've had the opportunity to go to the Sea of Galilee on, on numerous occasions. It's, as far as visual beauty goes in Israel, it's my favorite place in all of Israel. Um, so I, I, I wanted to show off a little bit. So I have a few pictures from when I've been there. So we'll show those. That's my wife. That's Kathy Louthian. And so they are on the, they're on the, the Jesus boat. Uh, and so we're on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, you see the mountains back there. So that's some of the mountains. By the way, that, little, that is Mount Arabel. That's that little mountain. That's mentioned in the Old Testament. Isn't that neat? Anyway, it has nothing to do with today's lesson. Keep going. We have one more picture. And, uh, of course, that's early in the morning uh, when I got up and just took a picture out at the Sea of Galilee. So an absolutely beautiful place. But in the day of Jesus, on those mountains that you saw that are around the Sea of Galilee, there, there were ancient cities that were there. And, and they would build their cities up on, up on the hill for a reason. For one, it made it more difficult for invaders to take over the city because, you know, they had to go up, they had to go up a hill. But, but not only that, it, because it's on the side of a mountain, it made, it made the city very visible to the people who were traveling there. Now, that makes sense to me, because where I grew up, I grew up in, in Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is not known for its mountain ranges. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a plains state, uh, but at nighttime, that's, I know some people are like, it, it's not much to look at, and I love the big open sky, but at nighttime, 
I grew up in Oklahoma City. You can see the city for miles and miles away. You can't, I'm telling you, you cannot get lost when you're, when, you, when you're there. I mean, it's dark, and you're like, oh, there's the city 30 miles away. You can see it. And so I believe this is the same kind of idea that Jesus has here in our passage of Scripture. Jesus is making the point that just as a city on a hill should be easy to see at night, so should the life of a believer be easy to see in the midst of a dark world. You know, part of the characteristic of a believer comes to us from Galatians 5.22 when it tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a good list, isn't it? Now, if you see those traits in the life of a person, you're going to notice that. You know why? Because that's not normal. The normal traits in the life of people are selfishness, being greedy, anger, bitterness. But if you see the traits of a godly person in play in their life, it will grab your attention. Why? Because it's different. Because it goes against the grain. Jesus knows that a light gets the attention of people. I mean, think about it like this. You know, whenever you drive at night, one of the things, it's by law, you have to turn on your headlights, right? Now, now why, why do you think, why do y'all think that is? That's so you can see. You know, if you're driving, you want your headlights on so you can see where you're going. But not only that, for other people that are driving, you want them to see you. Have you ever driven by somebody at night and they don't have their headlights on? I mean, you're just like, all of a sudden, whoa, I just saw that guy. Now, that is, that is very dangerous. And, and what happens is that, that, that car, without the headlights on, it just blends in with the background. And too many times, as believers and as churches, that's what we do. We, we just simply blend in with the background. We're not very noticeable. And God says, listen, I want you to be a light. You know, George Barna, the Christian pollster, said that the, the Christian life compared to the life of non-Christians is almost indistinguishable. He said, we watch, we watch the same shows, we read the same books, we listen to the same music, we have the same divorce rates. He said, we're, we're almost indistinguishable. And then I look at Jesus. Jesus doesn't call us to blend in. Jesus calls us to be a light. Now you might say, well, what does that, what does that mean concern, concerning civics? Well, in, in our church, one of the things that we decided as a civics team is we, we want to be involved locally. And so what we do is uh, we have people in our church who attend the school board meetings. Now, when they go there, they don't go there looking for a fight. They go there just simply say, hey, we are here to be supportive. We want you to know that when you look at us, that we are people who are concerned about our community. We are people who care about what happens here and we have been letting them know on the school board, we are a church that's going to pray for you. Now, sometimes when we pray for them, we have to pray that God will change their heart. But we want to operate on a basis of love. Let me tell you something. And when we do that, it, it shocks them. Now, the last time we had a meeting, I know that there were a group of people on our civics team, they made them cookies and gave them something to eat. You know, and I'm sitting there going, hey, you shouldn't do that. We need to do something different. Uh, but they are friendly and they did that, and it, it, it caught them off guard. They were, they were just appreciative that we were a group of people that are there to care. 
So, so that's the first thing I want you to see. The first thing about being a light is a light gets your attention. But the second thing about being a light is a light also guides. That's the job of a light. Verse number 15. It says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket or a bowl, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. Now, now what is the purpose of a light? Well, it's to shine. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what a light's supposed to do. Now, whenever you go home at night, so this is a question you all get to respond to. You go home at night, when you walk into your house, what is one of the first things that you do? You hit the light switch. Okay, now when you hit the light switch, where are your lights located? Normally they're, they're on the side, on the wall, or they're on the ceiling. Do any of y'all have a light under your couch? Yeah, I mean, if you do, that's, that would be weird. Uh, but if you do, the only thing you're going to be able to see is what, what is under the couch. You want your light to be in a position where it casts light to the, the, the most space possible so that you'll be able to see where you are going. Now, that's, that is the idea in our passage of Scripture. That's why Jesus said, if you look in verse number 15, he said, one thing you do is you don't, you don't place your light under, you know, under a bowl. He said, you don't do that. You want to cast light where it gets light to everyone in the house. He says, you're supposed to put it up on a lampstand. Now, you can look at that and say, well, maybe I'm supposed to be up on a lampstand and be a light so people will look at me and say, man, look at, look at that guy. That guy's impressive. That's not the purpose of a light. People don't walk into your house and go, that is a beautiful light bulb. I mean, that's not that, that, what they're doing. The light bulb allows them to see everything else. The, the, the power of the, of the light bulb is not the light bulb itself. It is the power source that gives light to the bulb. You see, for us, and if we're going to be a light, we are merely a tool that God is using so that we can help people to see. God wants people to see him through you. And if that's going to happen, then we have to put ourselves in places where we're going to bring the most light. But you know what? People, people can't see Jesus through us if we're hiding our light. If we cover up our light. So how do we cover up our light? Well, it's, it's not that difficult. There, there's some of us, we say that we're followers of Jesus and it doesn't seem like we make all that much of an impact. And I think part of the reason why is because our connection with God is pretty weak. You know, we, we just sort of pay attention to him every once in a while. And maybe we've drifted away from him. And the result is that our faith isn't very strong. And so because of that, not a lot of people see. Uh, we can com- cover up our faith by being timid. You know, I'm just like y'all. Yeah, I want people to like me. You know, I don't want people to think that I'm... You know, contrarian, I don't want to be the, you know, the fuddy-duddy that's around. But, you know, there are people that you and I, we both know that they don't have a relationship with God. And, and God's called us to be a light. But we're afraid to do that sometimes because we think, I want them to like me. I don't want them to think that I'm strange or that, that, I, that I'm weird. And yet I look into Scripture and God says, you are to be a light because when you are a light, you shine on them. And when you shine on them, you enable to see things in their lives that they need help with. I read a really interesting story about a guy named Stephen Kingsley. He was a carpet cleaner. He worked for a carpet cleaning company. He was a salesman. And he said one of the best things that he did uh, where people would buy the product, he said, I'll bring a black light with me. And he said, I'd go into the people's houses and I'd say, do you all have pets? Oh, yeah, we have pets. And he said, and so I'd find out where the pet spent most of his time. And he said, and the black light, I'm not trying to 
weird y'all out or anything. He said, but it, uh, he said it shows up a lot of things that dogs do. Um, and so, or, and cats. And he said, you can kind of, you can smell the dogs been in the room. He said, so I'd say, well, turn out your lights. He said, I turn on the black light. And he said, people were stunned when, they, when the black light came on and they could see what was in the room. He said, it'd be, you know, it'd be the, the, the markings of a pet would be, you know, in that little spot on the carpet that you know about. He said, but there's a lot of other spots you don't know about. So like the curtains, uh, the bed spread. So he said, one lady, her response was, oh my gosh, I don't care what it costs, get it out of here. Uh, another man said, I don't know if I will ever be comfortable in my house again. He said, man, I made a killing because of that black light. Now, Christians, here's the deal. That's, that's us. Now, the, the light did not cause the problem. The light revealed it. And whenever the people saw the problem revealed, they were like, man, we want, we want that to be out of here. It, it guided them to make a decision to get rid of the problem they had. But they would have never known about the problem had there not been a light. I look at our world today, and I think, man, we are so confused, and I think a large reason why, the church is not being a light like we should be. I'm not being a light like, our, like I should be. And so I believe that we have a great responsibility and a great opportunity to be a light in our civic responsibilities. You know, we can do that. We, like I said, we're going to be having our civics team going to school board meetings again. Maybe... Maybe that could be you. Maybe, you. maybe you're an encourager. Maybe you're a person who loves to pray. We need people like you who are going to be praying for, for those who are our local, our local leaders. Uh, in January, we're going to have the opportunity to gather together as, as a group and, and go downtown Columbia whenever there is a, a march for life. And we want, we want to be a part of that, to be a light in our community, saying God created life and it's precious. So God's called us to be a light. What does a light do? Well, it, it reveals, the third thing is we're going to see is it reveals what's around us, but a light gets your attention, a light guides, a light reveals. Now look in verse number 16. It's the last verse I'll read. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, I think this is a pretty simple one. We, we get this. A light, a light reveals. That's what, when you walk in here, we like to turn the lights on so that you'll be able to see where you're going. Like I said, a light reveals. A, a light enables you to see where you're going so that you don't trip over stuff, so you, that, that you don't fall into traps that might be before you. If the light's on, then you're going to avoid those things. Uh, now, if you are a parent in here, you're going you're gonna to understand this. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my parents would tell me, before you go to bed, make sure you pick up your toys and put them up. Okay, now, as a kid, I, I didn't understand this. Why would I want to put up stuff that I'm just going to pull out again the next morning? Because I'm efficient, right? So as I'm going to get up, and if it's already on the floor, then I can just start playing, and I don't have to waste my time going and pulling it back out. Well, if you're a parent, there's a reason why you want your kids to put their toys up. Because when your kids are, especially when they're little, one thing parents like to do is they like to make sure their kid's actually sleeping. And so they'll go into the room, but they, they're not going to turn on the light. They're just going to kind of peek in there. And then if, when you're really cautious as parents, you're like, I wonder if he's breathing. Did y'all ever do that? I did. And I'm like, I don't see, his, I don't see him breathing. I walk over there and like, you know, stick my hand under his nose. And, okay, he's still breathing. Uh, but it, I would not turn the light on. But if they didn't pick up their toys, any of y'all ever stepped on a metal Tonka truck? 
How about Legos? Have got, I, I have almost lost my religion stepping on Legos. The only thing you have to do is step on one of those things one or two times. You're like, that will never, ever happen again. Okay, so that's why you say, you know, pick up after yourself. That, 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 and you think, I wish I had the lights on so I could see that stuff. Now, spiritually, there are a lot of people who are walking around in this world in darkness. And they're stepping on stuff left and right. And if you were in the light, if you're a believer, you're like, why do they do that? It's simple. Can't see. They don't have anybody revealing a light to them. And, and so what, what God wants is he wants us to be a light so people can see the path that God has for people. What, what kind of path does God have for people? path to life. A path to peace, forgiveness. A path that is so much easier to travel than what the world offers. And I'm talking about God's path leads to life. The Bible tells us that the path of the world, it leads to death. And, and that's that for some people it's hard to trust, but, but listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your, own, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and the Bible says, and he will make your paths straight. God will get you when you follow him to where you want to go. Well, where do we, we want to go? We want to go down a path that leads to life. We want to go down a path that leads to hope. We want to go down a path that leads to purposefulness. We want to go down a path that leads to forgiveness and redemption. And Village Church, we've been called to be a beacon, to be a light that shines so that people around us can see where to go. So what does a a light do? Light gets your attention, it guides, and it reveals. Now, this applies to a lot of different areas in life, but today our focus is on our civic responsibilities. So here's some words of encouragement for you as we are involved in this. As we engaged, let's say, in voting, let's vote in light of God's word. Does that make sense? Not, not what you feel, not even what I think is right, but in light of God's word. Let, let's be a light in our, in our community, in our school district. How? By, by serving them. By showing that, that we care about what happens. By praying for our leaders. By standing up for what is right. Let's pray for our political leaders. Let's be a light. Praying for our political leaders. Whether we agree with them. Y'all, this is one tough for me. Whether we agree with them or not. Now, I believe this. I believe it could be that there are some of you that could be a light. Now, you need to throw your hat in the ring, and you need to serve. You need to serve this community by running for office. That's a little scary, isn't it? But I believe that God has called some of us to do that. Now, if this is an area, the civics area, if this is an area where you think, you know what, this is an area where I believe God could call me to serve, then I want to encourage you. When the service is over, you can go back to the C4 area and and look under civics and sign up. Sign up to be a part of our team. Why? Because God has called us to be a light. And this is one of the areas where Village Church wants to be a light because we want to influence for the name of Jesus.